You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 38 of the Comic Book Informer. We're coming to you on Wednesday, August 3rd, 2011. And man, have we got a great show lined up. Isn't that right, Roger? Oh, Chris, we got a ton of amazing stuff to talk about, to be to be honest. <laughs> well, with Comic-Con and all the other stuff that's been going on, uh, there's been a couple great releases over the last couple of weeks that we really haven't had a chance to touch on. And we're just going to dive right in with a couple of number ones, starting with Ghost Rider uh, by Rob Williams and Matthew Clark. Now, I've always been a huge Ghost Rider fan, so I want to hear what you had to think about it. I have not always been a huge Ghost Rider fan, and and it's not that I dislike the character at all. I I like the character. It's just that I it's never been a series that I've been that particularly fond of. Um, so when I read this, it was I didn't have all that baggage that I was carrying from the prior versions that had been released, kind of thing. I I would like to go back and read them now, some more of them, just so that I have that context. But I went into this pretty fresh kind of thing. So so what if Johnny Blaze isn't freaking ghost rider it's some chick now i'm good with that let's just roll with it and see where it goes and i was kind of enjoying it although it actually wasn't as strong as i'd hoped it wasn't as strong oh, look at this we got a phone call <laughs> i don't even have a phone <laughs> too bad it was <laughs> hoog's calling you again no give me a second <laughs> Right. So this is where the Jeopardy music ends and we could proceed with the show. Um, the the thing that I liked about this was the difference in characters, even though I, I didn't follow the original. It's quite obvious. Again, you've got a different ghost writer. So it's going to be it's going to be fun to see what is different about this one and and, and how everybody reacts to her. I don't know, though. I still did not find the story that particularly strong. I actually preferred the point one over the number one issue. Well, there, there wasn't a whole lot of story to talk about at all, really, especially, I mean, it's a fear itself tie in. So you got to take that into account. I, I just think taking it from the perspective of somebody who didn't read the point one, I thought this was a good introduction to the new Ghost Rider character. Like you start off with Johnny Blaze. I loved that little monologue of his at first talking about the difference between, you know, the Ghost Rider yeah. and a traditional <laughs> superhero. That was so cool. And then all of a sudden you just get, you know, the new chick showing up and being absolutely awesome. <laughs> yeah, taking out two of Ghost Rider's biggest villains like they're nothing. So, yeah, there, there wasn't a whole lot of story here, but I'm willing to wait until, you know, issue two for, you know, the real story itself to kick in. But just as an introduction to the new Ghost Rider character and, you know, also the tie ins with Johnny and Mephisto going on. I thought I felt this was really solid. And again, I'm a big fan of the character and I've seen other issue ones come out recently um, of characters that I'm a big fan of. And we're going to talk about that near the end of the show that really haven't interested me. So 
I, I really liked this issue. The thing is, is that, again, you, you, you hit that nail on the head right there with the, the fear tie-in. Because, quite frankly, for me right now, anything that's a fear tie-in is actually diminishing the overall value of whatever issue it is. And so with... And, was seeing all of the fear tie-in. I mean, they worked it in well that you didn't even have to be keeping up really with what's going on that much. It helps, obviously, but it's not really mandatory. And and yet, even it, it's just all of that crap with the fear stuff just really held it back, in my opinion. Really held it back. So I'm looking forward to when they're done the fear crap with it. And when it's the actual series, that's when I think it's really going to shine and really going to do well. Because like you said, yeah, the monologue stuff at the beginning was fantastic. It's obvious that we're going to get some of that from her perspective as well, or whoever else takes over kind of thing. And the strength is there in the writing that it should be a lot of fun once they can have their own stories and not be hindered by the fear stuff. Mm -hmm. And then just uh, on top of that, Ghost Rider is one of those characters where if you're writing a Ghost Rider comic, you have to have top notch art. You can't draw a Ghost Rider poorly. It's just something that it's not allowed. The flaming skull, the motorcycle, it and has to be new awesome. motorcycle. Yes. Dude. And <laughs> the, the art in this issue was fantastic as well. So as, as a fan, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing where this goes. Yeah. And that transition was perfectly into the next one because how about we talk now about bad art <sighs> oh no come on really okay this okay. could have been taken out of a 19 i've got it in my hands a 1960s freaking comic book i absolutely hated it okay so for those who don't <laughs> if you don't know about... what i'm talking about you haven't looked through all the new comic books because you would be able to find it pretty damn easy we're talking about Daredevil <laughs> number one by Mark Wade and Paolo Rivera, although Marcos Martin did the backup in this issue and him and Rivera are going to be trading off uh, throughout the run of the comic. And the thing with both <laughs> Rivera and Martin, if you recall their issues they did on Amazing Spider-Man not that long ago, they're very retro artists. Oh. I don't I don't particularly care for it either, but that's their style and that's what they want to go for with Daredevil. So. I can accept it because honestly, honestly, I'm not that into Daredevil anyway. Like I read some of the stuff from back, you know, during Brubaker and Bendis's run. I hadn't read it up since then up until Shadowland. The Shadowland story I was into just because of, you know, everything going on. It was awesome. But still, Daredevil didn't really appeal to me. And the, the whole uh, reborn thing, I hated that. So I just went into this as, OK, I love Mark Wade as a writer. We were just talking about him a few weeks ago with the Captain America miniseries, and he's doing great stuff over at Boom Studios. So I was like, Mark Wade, a character I'm slightly interested in, I'll give it a shot. And I like the the way they're going with the character, the whole, you know, he's really trying to deny that he is he's Daredevil. Happy. <laughs> I loved the, the 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 newspaper photo of the spot after he got beat up. <laughs> it's it's a new tone for Daredevil and I like that. And yeah, the art doesn't do it for me, but I'm okay with that because it's probably not something I'm going to continue to read anyway. Oh, you know what? I'm almost certainly not going to be reading this at all. I I am not a fan anymore of this type of art. Now, to, to be very clear, though, if you are a fan of this type of art, you're going to love it because they do a very good job of it. There, there's no point where I look at it and say, 
I mean, I, I was kidding around saying it's bad art. Like, I, you look at it and it's it's well done in terms of what it is. It's very well done. The continuity of characters, the action scenes, the the um, all of just the the mundane walking around, everything. It's it is very well done. It's just I'm so done with this type of style. I mean, and I most people are like we've progressed to the point where we get like freaking jim lee issues where it's like your jaw drops and then you look at this and it's like hmm really not digging it and then the thing too is that and and again if you like this and if you like retellings of the same damn story over and over again then it works perfectly together i personally don't we know matt murdoch we know the freaking history this was just forcing down your throat the entire history of well his history and and I really, really didn't enjoy it. I would rather they have hit the ground running with something with a lot more oomph, something new, something... I, I don't need to hear about his freaking dad anymore, about how he lost his eyesight and everything. And this whole, I'm not Daredevil, I'm not Daredevil. No, really, I'm not Daredevil. Suck it up. <laughs> you know, everybody knows. I'm going to have to quack that out. <laughs> but but it's like everybody knows you're not going to be able to hide it anymore, buddy. And they also tried way too hard to to explain how, you know, he, he quote unquote sees the world without his eyes. And it's like everywhere. And it's like, oh, I, I didn't like this. I wasted four freaking dollars plus tax on this. And I really, I, uh, I I don't like it. Now you didn't spring for the variant. No, although there was none. So that's a good thing because if I would have bought a variant and paid an extra couple of bucks, oh, oh, mad madness. So mad the phone's ringing. That's okay. Somebody else is gonna get it. <laughs> but yeah, um, it, it was okay. Like I, I didn't hate it, but. It wasn't enough to really get me to keep reading it because I said Daredevil, overall, not a character I've been very interested in over the years. So I can't say it's bad. I just can say I, I didn't care for it. I if you don't know the character, if you are literally brand new to comic books, then you would have enjoyed this a lot more. But anybody else who has an inkling of who Daredevil is, is going to and if they've had it with retellings of the same stories all the time <laughs> no quack necessary um then they're going to have had it it's it's just again it's there wasn't any meat it was all just backstory yeah all right well you're gonna yell at me a little bit here because i'm gonna mix it up slightly and we're gonna move on to the spider island prelude in amazing spider-man 666 by dan slot and stefano caselli and this isn't the official beginning of spider island it it was a cool freaking issue, though, really sets the stage for, you know, what's to come, bringing in some of those characters you know, that we're going to see later on in the story. Spider-Girl, uh, Flash as Venom, Shang-Chi. And for those people who haven't been reading Spider-Man, you know, every issue, which a lot of people haven't, there is a huge amount of people I saw on Twitter saying that 666 was the first issue of Spider-Man they've bought ever since the Mephisto debacle. So... It, I thought this was a really great setup for the story, and I have a few things I've picked out as the longtime fan, but uh, what do you think of it? I I have been enjoying other Spider-Man issues more than I did this one. And that's not to say that I'm not looking forward to Spider-Island, because I really am. However, 
some of the stuff in here, there, I thought that there was way too much monologue for both Parker and Spider-Man at different points. There is just way, way, way too much. And and I like his dialogue. I like the witty rapporteur and, and all that crap. And it just kind of, it felt like there was too much. And this whole thing with the spider chick, it was... I'm I'm on his side. She's annoying as hell. <laughs> <laughs> but that that's the way Madam Webb has always been, regardless of who's using the title. <laughs> yeah, I she's just annoying. The um the the fight scene with her though, sweet Jesus, that was awesome. <laughs> that yeah, was Kelly is really good. Yeah, that was just amazing. Oh yeah, the art in this was like just freaking ripping. I loved it. And um, but yeah, the fight scene is the same as the fight scene that they had. In the, the was it the the, the mini story wasn't it? I'm thinking of the I don't know. There's been so many. Spider-Man. Yeah, but there was a, a where he's getting a lesson from him, and it was the same kind of thing. It was either in 664 or 665 actually, and it was the same kind of thing. Oh, he put on like the gloves and stuff so he could stick to the walls. Too. Exactly. Yeah, and so that was cool. Now speaking of the free comic book day one, it was awesome that they referenced that. In this, so I kind of like that. The, again, the uh, the stuff at the Avengers with the playing poker, it's like, eh, you know, that that you know, dogs playing poker bit is not quite as funny. I I like I like I liked it though. They're like, oh, we didn't trust you, and you had your spider, spider sense. sense. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, I liked the little bit with venom in there and stuff, but again, it just felt like there was also just too much going on in the issue. I mean, between the stuff that's going on with the people who've got the powers and the stuff going on with Parker going around, the stuff with Parker at Horizon Labs, the stuff with Parker when he is, well, Spider-Man when he's dealing with FF, and then when he's going to the new event, or to the Avengers, then when he's getting his fight lesson in it, it, it was just... I don't know. It felt like there was too much that they were trying to cram into one issue, and I kind of feel like it was... It, it, it failed... Yeah, it, it was kind of like Spider Island 0.1 is, is what this issue kind of boils down to. Again, I'm looking forward to it mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll be picking up the other issues as they come out. And, I, and, I, and I'm hoping that they're not going to be as frantic because frantic is good when, you know, it's just a, a really fast pace and it's a it's a good issue. You rip through it and then you, it was fun. But when it's frantic and there's too many it's just this frenzy and it's it there's not enough continuity in space for the writing to really mean anything mm-hmm. now as for the, you know the the things i've picked up on this spider island storyline is really tying into a lot of important spider-man storylines from over the years first and foremost the much hated clone saga from back in the 90s i think it was whatever yeah it had to been the 90s everything bad happened in the 90s where we see the jackal the you know the the geneticist supervillain make is responsible for all these people picking up their spider powers and we see him with the hulking brute giant spiders the first one he uh confirms is kane uh one of spider-man's clones who uh was an aberration didn't really you know work out right but he ended up sacrificing himself to save Peter and then was reborn as the tarantula, which we see little bits of. And I guess uh, Jackal picked him up and supercharged him with his weird little process. And I'm calling it right now the one in the tube. The second giant hulking spider is Ben Riley, the original spider clone who has long since been thought dead. So that's pretty cool. And we even got his tiny Ben Riley teaser at Comic Con this year. So. 
Ben Riley, believe it or not, has his fans despite his stupid sleeveless hoodie. Oh, it's, um, yeah, I didn't read any of that. Yeah, so. well, nobody read any of that. It was awful. <laughs> but you're also getting um, to really appreciate some of this story. I think you need to go back and read Grim Hunt. It was Amazing Spider-Man 634 through 637. I would say it is easily one of my favorite Spider-Man stories ever because it ties back into Craven's Last Hunt, which is number one on my list for Spidey stories. And that's when we see how Julia Carpenter became Madam Web. That's when we see Kane sacrificing his life uh, for Peter. That's a lot of those story threads from that storyline are being picked up again here. So if you're looking for another Spider-Man story to read, definitely check that one out. Okay. All right. So we're going to move on to a comic book informer favorite, and that is Uncanny X-Force. Issue 12 was by Rick Remender and Mark Brooks. And man, this was just Wolverine on fire in this issue with all the character moments he had. Uh, Great stuff with Gene. And I absolutely loved when he met the daughter he never had, uh, Kirika, the daughter of Age of Apocalypse Wolverine and Mariko. That was cool. What'd you think of that? I... Easily, uh, I don't want to say the best series right now because I mean it. It, it always depends on how well a specific. Oh, top three for me right now. I am so absolutely, and that's saying a lot because remember, like how much I'm digging all the stuff that's going on with Flashpoint right now. And yet, in terms of of Marvel comics right now, like X Force, holy crap in hell! It's just so freaking awesome, and so far. I have not yet been disappointed. And on top of that, it just keeps getting better. You, like the stuff that the stuff between Wolverine and Gene, like you were saying, was oh, just so great on like boosh, my mind just went <laughs> and because it's it's the, the whole different dynamics of what it was like in that parallel universe. And then on top of that, he has to deal with his feelings of 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 still wanting her and yet still wanting to like remain true to to his own universe and blah 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 and then the later on the the the, the, the scene with the kiss was priceless <laughs> and then everything else and and then you get that glimpse too of where he says you know you guys can all come with us and where she says yeah it's a it seems like a much nicer place and there's that opening for them to bring back both her as well as Kurt and, and whoever else that they want kind of deal. But yeah, the entire issue was just, and, and yeah, the, it was, was fantastic. And the scene with the daughter was great and, and touching too, which is something that you don't get often enough from the Wolverine character kind of thing. And yet here would have been, like you said, that daughter that he and Mariko could have had, but yeah, like start to finish just fantastic. So much fun. And I, I'm gonna have to double check, but I'd have to say the last three pages of every single issue of Uncanny X-Force has just blown my mind <laughs> because in this one, we get them coming across the Black Legion, which just a few of its highlights, you have Age of Apocalypse Blob, you've got Grim Chamber, a combination of the Generation X character Chamber and the Thing, <laughs> Zombie Sentry, Orange Hulk and the freaking Iron Ghost, which is Iron Man possessed by Ghost Rider. Who comes up with this crap? Somebody who is loving his job. That's who, because that's true. I opened that spread and I spent more time looking at all the characters and just kind of 
geek like, like a little schoolgirl going, oh, this is so cool. Look at this. And and then thinking about oh, who would I have put in there? It was just freaking awesome. And that's the thing that I love about like what's going on here. And it's another reason why I, I am so digging the Flashpoint stuff because we're getting an opportunity to see characters out of their comfort zones, out of who they traditionally are. And the writers having a lot more fun with that. And, and, and to me as a writer, that's always something that's really interested me because I like to think about, again, if it were me, what kind of weird crap would I come up with to shove in there? And the imagination just goes wild. And then when you put it in the hands of somebody who is talented and knows what they're doing, which we are seeing now, it really makes you appreciate the story, have fun with it, without feeling like continuity is being messed with, without feeling like, you know, it's the freaking Spider-Man erasing everybody's memories kind of thing. I'm <laughs> I'm way more okay with it's a different dimension. It's a different parallel dimension. Leave it at that. Accept it. Okay, cool. I'm good with that. I don't have a problem. Erasing the world's memories of Spider-Man, that I kind of have a problem with. But uh, But what it does too is because he's doing so well up till now, and because, again, it's those those favorite characters of ours, I can't wait to see where it's going to continue going. And it's hilarious. I follow Rick Remender on Twitter. He's uh, just simply at Remender. So the day after the comic came out and he blew everybody's minds, he was tweeting the background stories to all these characters. He quite literally almost pulled out of his butt as he was writing the story. He came up with background stories for them in 140 characters or less. Absolutely hilarious. And I'm not going to say anything, but that last panel. Oh, yes. Yeah, that was insane. That was because it's funny because I turned the page and I saw claws and I went, hold on a second. What the? And then it backed up a bit and then went back and went, ooh. <laughs> so absolute awesomeness all around in this comic. It was it was by far the best of all the ones that we're talking about. And uh, and again, it's one of those. I can't wait where they're going to go with it. And especially because of all the, the ultimate X-Men that I've been reading lately and stuff. It's, it's again, it's, I, I've not hidden my love of Nightcrawler. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I just see so much potential to have so much fun with that friendship again. And if they can pull him out of there, and maybe even Jean. But, but Jean, as much as I've loved the character, because of just how powerful she is, to me, it's often a, a cheat for writing as opposed to just something that's far more complex kind of thing. And so I'm all right with her staying back kind of thing. But Kurt, it's just that an, an interesting new dynamic that they can put for that friendship in I don't want to say our our universe, but, you know, <laughs> the actual Marvel canon universe and and. If he can work his way into the actual X-Force crew and become oh, one of the team members, then I think it would be a good fit taking into consideration all the existing team. Plus, what would happen is that because he's got that different background from the other parallel universe, you've got tons and tons of material to work off of. Yeah, that it's definite possibility. Please do it. Folks, if you're <laughs> seriously, folks, if you are not reading this series, go back. It's still not that old. You should be able to pick up most of the uh, the starting issues for this. And it's it's worth your money. It's definitely worth it. This is a fantastic series. 
Yeah. And sticking with Reminder, uh, him writing the next comic we're talking about, Venom number five. Uh, This issue had art by both Tony Moore and Tom Fowler. And I cannot say how much I loved this issue. He's only Venom for about six pages in this issue. The other 18, whatever. (laughs) My math isn't working too well right now. It's just all Flash. And that's what we said when we talked about the series a couple weeks ago, how Flash was even more important to the story than Venom was. And this was just a really touching, really emotional story uh, without going into too much detail. Anybody who has dealt with a family member that has had substance abuse, this comic is just an amazing read. I think that it could have been even more harsh, for lack of a better word. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because the substance, substance abuse thing, I, I get it. Um, and I think that it could have been even more harsh. And mm, I don't want to say that when you're reading it, he's dealing with it too well, but he kind of is. When you're looking at everything that's happening, even though he is kind of freaking out on some pages and and being harsh with both his mother and his father, uh, whether on the phone or in person, I don't feel it's quite enough even. I, I feel that there should be even more of a breakdown in his own character, even though he's got, you know, this newfound strength and everything. I think that there should be even more, um, more emotion from his side. And just the bit at the end with him and Betty. That was that was just great. Priceless. It, it was. It was very good. Um, I liked the bit with, again, having the cameo with Peter in there with him. Um, although I don't think that a person in that circumstance would have called for help. Um, most people who grew up with an alcoholic parent try to hide that from people. So I don't believe that if he were going out to try to find his father that he would want to to share that with anyone he would go on his own so to me that was a little off um well i i can also see it from the other point of view where pete knows about flash's past because flash has had his own issues over the years and i i see it more as he brought pete along just to make sure he doesn't fall down into the gutter again either and again it, it can work either way it's never the same for everybody no I mean, absolutely there, not. there are some similarities that tend to be very much the same for most people but there's always room for for differences so i can i can live with that the only real problem i had with the the issue was that again i found that there was just too much narration in it and i understand that it it was it was mandatory for this kind of story and you you're in his head damn near the entire issue which is fine i i it doesn't always have to be action for me in, in an issue um Obviously, we've talked about that. So if it's well written, then I don't have a problem with it. It's just that I don't know. I felt that they could have done it a different way wherein there was more interaction with people where things were getting explained or told versus having to explain it via the narration. Because, again, there was just so much narration in it. I usually on the same page with you when it comes to the narration but i don't know just for this issue i felt it worked 
it worked better here than it has elsewhere. I, 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 I liked that it was pretty much just almost a solitary story with just Flash and the reader. And, and to be quite fair here, too, because I don't want to sound like I'm knocking the issue, I will have to read it again because I, I won't lie to you. Someone only came out and told me that they were thinking about putting this in this episode at the very last minute. So I had my reading list of other things. So it was basically, I read it last night at, I think it was about 1130. It might've been close to midnight last night. And that was after I'd read quite a few other issues of other things, including some of the ones that we're talking about. So it was late and I had already knocked back a couple of, uh, codeine pills <laughs> my knees weren't doing well <laughs> so i wasn't necessarily in the best frame of mind i still enjoyed it a lot but again it just felt a little long i think that if i'd sit and sat down fresh with it kind of thing that maybe i i certainly wouldn't even be criticizing the narration yeah and i gotta say it is no coincidence that two of my favorite books coming from marvel right now are by the same writer so Rick Remender, you're doing it right. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of other writers that they got on staff that could learn a thing or two from him right now, including some of the big name writers that they've got that quite seriously, they need to learn more about what makes a good story and how to make us care about characters. And that's exactly what I'm going to talk about. Thank you for that wonderful segue <laughs> that you had no idea was coming. And maybe for, I did. You didn't. For my what we're reading, maybe I'm talking about the mighty Thor. Yeah. And uh, this has Matt Fraction as its writer. Matt Fraction, of course, is writing Thor, writing Fear Itself and writing Invincible Iron Man. Now, I will say Invincible Iron Man has been fantastic every single issue. Still loving that. Fear Itself, we've discussed. His work on Thor, since he took it over last year i've been really trying to like <laughs> so when they relaunched it when the movie came out with a new number one i was like okay cool oliver koipel is doing the art he's awesome he did thor uh years back with straczynski you'd have to physically try to write a story about thor the silver surfer and galactus and make it uninteresting I am the biggest Thor fanboy on the planet, and this is the last issue I'm going to read for a while. I just not digging it. I he just, he's not making the character interesting. Hmm. Sorry, well, I got nothing to say because I I've only read a few. Basically, the ones you made me read. Those are the <laughs> ones that I read. In, in retrospect, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> but uh, but that's it. It's. It's just never been a character. I know that it's a character for you that's meant a lot, but it certainly has never meant a lot for me. And I'm going back over 25 years here. Like, it just was never... And I gave it a shot back then. It just was never really a character that I cared that much about. I just... And and I like that. I like... I, I love reading about mythology and different things like that. I It's, it's him that I'm not crazy about. So, I... I, I got nothing. It... It takes a special writer to really make Thor a very interesting character and just very few of the writers who have attempted it have succeeded. And as much as I love the character, as much as I love the huge, gigantic, insane stories that he can get into, there's just so much better worth my four bucks right now. Yeah. See, that's the other thing, too, <laughs> because I'm willing to try new things and whatnot. But when we're looking at some of these prices, which, again, Marvel isn't getting the the the, 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 the freaking message here because a lot of the ones are still 
Hell, some of them are $4.99. The Schism is $4.99. I'm not buying issue two. I bought issue one, and I'm not buying issue two. I'll borrow it from somebody, but I'm not buying it because to me, that's absolutely ridiculous. So when you're looking at this, and it's a character that, quite frankly, I've never really been that fond of, and... I'm not going to fork down four or five bucks just to try and see if now I'll like it when somebody else is writing. All right. So uh, that's all I got. What else have you been reading? Again, I've been pounding back the freaking Ultimate X-Men like they were, you know, just awesome. <laughs> I've just been having so much fun with it. So I actually got through all of the um, the Ultimate X-Men and now I just have to read the Ultimatum stuff. And then the Requiem. So there's there's still a, a bunch that I have to read. Plus, I, I need to get my hands on some of the um, the little tie-ins that were all over the place. Because from one issue to the other of X-Men, Ultimate X-Men, you're kind of lost every once in a while. And wondering, <laughs> what the hell just happened here? And, and some of the big things that apparently happened, happened in other comic books. Either that or the way that it was written, it was just, oh yeah, by the way, so-and-so and so-and-so -and -so are dead. Yeah, they kind of drown. What? And it's kind of only briefly talked about and illustrated. And, and to me, it, it was it, like... Especially once you get into the ultimatum thing, because that was like, okay, miniseries tie-in, miniseries tie-in. So yeah, if you weren't reading those real time, I can see that. Oh yeah, it was, again, it's, it was all over the place. It's kind of funny. And we were talking about that during the outtakes while we were recording our games podcast, but it was kind of funny that last week, literally, and when we recorded on Sunday, I was saying how, you know, Hank's dead. And I like the permanence that when you're dead, you're dead. And literally that the next issue that I'm reading that night, Hank's back. <laughs> Hank's alive. And it's funny because part of me, I had that initial rush of excitement, as is kind of obvious from the Twitter message I sent you. <laughs> Just Hank's alive. And I was cheering. And yet. Then all of a sudden you kind of go, it's like somebody popped the balloon and it's like, oh crap, that means that it's the same as the other comic. There's no permanence. It's just, he was, he was taken away. It, granted, it's not to that degree because other characters have died and that's it. They're gone. But, uh, but I'm very, very interested to see where they're going to go with the rest. And now having gotten through this and, and looking forward to, to finishing off the, the rest, I am really now looking forward to what they're going to do with the, the new Ultimate X-Men kind of stuff. Really, really interested. Yeah, um, and they also have the the Ultimate X. Well, I guess now it can be considered a miniseries. <laughs> it wasn't initially intended as such, where they introduced some cool new characters like Jimmy Howlett, Wolverine's son, and uh, just some interesting new characters taking the X-Men in a different d direction. And it, it it's going to be very interesting. Um, I think Nick Spencer is writing the new Ultimate X-Men title. I've really liked some of the stuff he's written. I've not quite like some of the other stuff he's he's done, but uh, it's definitely going to be one to at least check out at first. See, that's the thing, too, is, as we say with most series, too, um, the potential is there. Put it in the hands of a good writer and you can really get something fantastic. Like there's there's some series that even a good writer can't really save or really do that that much with it. But when you're looking at anything to do with 
the the X-Men, the Ultimate X-Men, simply because it's just, you can introduce any mutant you want. Create a freaking mutant. You, I mean, you can you do whatever you want. That kind of freedom to create characters from scratch and then have those characters, even if they aren't tied to actual canon characters, just make them someone fresh and new that you can care about, then that can push and that can really push a series forward and have it so that you you don't have to rely on Wolverine and on Cyclops and all the standard characters just someone fresh and new just by virtue of the fact that they're a mutant there's already a ton of backstory that we know and we can be rooting for this guy mm -hmm. and absolutely really liking that that's uh that's all you got that's it all right, so we're going to wrap up, as always, with our new releases for today. On the Marvel side of things, we have Avengers Academy, number 17, Hulk, number 38, Moon Knight, number four, big release with Punisher, number one. I've seen some preview pages of that, and my God, if nothing else, it's going to be gorgeous art in that comic. Got Thunderbolts 161. If you haven't uh, turned on your TV or your internet in the last uh, couple days, you've are, you haven't heard about Ultimate Fallout number four, but the rest of the world has, and it's creating quite a stir. Let's just say, and we also have X Factor 223. You know what? I actually was not crazy about Fallout number three, so I'll be very interested to read um, number four and see what's going well, on. Number four is when they introduce the new Spider-Man. See, that just ticks me off. That <laughs> ticks me off to no end. I don't want another Spider-Man. Well, he's not even rotting in the box yet. He's still in yeah, the box. He, he literally hasn't been buried yet. Yo, yeah. <laughs> Good God. Uh, I, I'm probably going to write an article about this to further expand on my thoughts there. All right. All right. From DC, we've got Batman Arkham City number four. Batman Beyond number eight, which quite, is supposed to be awesome, by the way. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the last Batman Beyond issue for a while. Um, I, they're just kind of putting it on hiatus while they do the whole relaunch deal. Yeah. Do you know what? DC freaking listen up. OK, bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they said at Comic-Con they intend to be better. I, I believe the exact phrase they used was we would be stupid not to bring it back. Yes. Well, they better. Yeah. All right. We've got a Flashpoint week. Flashpoint number four, as well as the final issues of the awesome miniseries Night of Vengeance, Deathstroke and the Curse of the Ravager. Well, not awesome. Secret Seven and mm -hmm. World of Flashpoint. So things are wrapping up four short weeks until the relaunch. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait for that Batman one. That's I really I've been enjoying the Deathstroke one, and even the World of Flashpoint I've been enjoying. The World of Seven uh, or the Seven one I didn't even read the second one. Um, if, if you only read one Flashpoint miniseries, though, I thought Batman, Night of Vengeance. Oh yeah, out. I can't wait till this next one. All right, and then we also have Scalped number fifty-one and Secret Six number thirty-six, and just to round out from Boom Studios, Irredeemable number twenty-eight, and two number ones coming from Image: Infinite, which is the new Robert Kirkman miniseries that unfortunately has art by Rob Liefeld, should be entertaining, and Severed, which is a new horror miniseries from the Eisner Award-winning writer of American Vampire, Scott Snyder. So. Yeah, that one I'm definitely going to at least check out since I have not read American Vampire yet. Hmm. 
All right, and we're going to wrap up there. That's it for issue 38. As always, you can find us at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CBinformer and always on iTunes. We're still looking for some nice reviews from you guys and we'll see everybody next week. Huzzah! Oh, next week without me. Without you. (laughs) With far better hosts. (laughs) More knowledgeable. Who are you bringing? John Tart. <laughs> All right. Well, at least Tart can, can back you up. Yeah. So, so you bastard, you got in. <laughs> Tons of hate. It's not jealousy. It's hatred. That's what it like, is. I am putting my rage ring on right now. If it makes you feel any better, I can't play for another 19 gigabytes. (laughs) That hardly makes me feel better. In (laughs) fact, it does not make me feel better at all. All right. Just told my son to pick it up and he missed it, so I don't care. Who cares? (laughs) It's probably the wife. Saying she found another shoe sale. (laughs) That was her text yesterday. Coming home from work. Shoe sale, big caps. I was like, okay, well, I guess she's going to be late. (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah yeah I read it yeah yeah baloney I'll quiz him before the actual show I need a minute yeah. flip 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 I can see that happening <laughs> you're talking about it and you can hear him paging through it as you're talking yeah <laughs>